gon' feel the heat. Yeah, they gon' feel the heat. They gon' feel the heat. Tell your whereabouts ain't they ready? Nah. Yeah, you gon' feel the heat. They ain't ready. Yeah. Let's get it. Biggest discussions, games of the week. All up for debate, you gon' feel the heat. Come listen in, come take a peek. Day and web gon' make you feel the heat. Who got the win? Who saw the feet? Take a seat, you gon' feel the heat. Let them speak, you gon' feel the heat. Mic check one two, you gon' feel the heat. Yo, Webb, you there? Yes, let's get it. Let's get it. Man, you guys don't even understand. Having technical difficulties for like the last 20, 30 minutes. Finally able to reconnect. Finally good to be back on the air talking to you guys. Now I want to bring this up because I'm not sure if Webb was keeping track. And I think we both might be very close on this. So you guys know in the uh, NCAA playoff game, we got... The two biggest bowl games that we're going to cover. I, I know there's a lot of bowl games out there, New Year's Six games that you guys want us to talk about, but there's only two that we really need to focus on. Oklahoma versus LSU, Ohio State versus Clemson. Now, if I can remember correctly, in our pilot episode, episode one, I believe Webb got three of these teams correct going into the finals. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Webb did pick Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. Is that right? Yeah, that is correct. And I believe I got three correct, too. I picked Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, and Michigan. And Michigan has failed us the worst. Did I pick somebody else? I'm I'm wrong. I didn't say LSU. I said Alabama. Alabama, Ohio State. So I got two. Or did you not have Ohio State? Did you have Oklahoma? Yeah, I definitely had Oklahoma. Okay. Either way, we both got three right, so we're both really close on this one. And who was your winner, though? Was it Clemson? My winner, Clemson. Yeah, my winner was Clemson. I honestly don't even remember who my winner was. Uh, my winner was Clemson. I, was it Clemson? Probably, because it's hard to go against them right now. 
especially being the Alabama's out. But nonetheless, let's get into it. Who's your game winners for the Oklahoma versus LSU matchup? Honestly, I want to say Oklahoma, but I really think LSU is just a better team all around. Oklahoma's defense isn't isn't going to stop LSU's offense. Let alone Jalen Hurts has shown that he's not capable of holding on to the football very well when the pressure's applied. He's known to fumble that. But if C.D. Lamb's playing, you never know what might happen. Right. Um... Dang. So this is my this is my theory. They're both really good teams, but LSU has a really good offense and defense as well. Whereas Oklahoma's defense sort of struggles, as their offense might score kind of like the Saints. The, they might score forty points, but their defense is going to let let them forty one. So now you have to get your offense back out there last minute to try to make a last minute game winning drive. If that happens, LSU will win the game. If Oklahoma wins the game, it will be a blowout. That's my opinion. Um, I think if Oklahoma gets it gets up early on them, on LSU, it's going to be a blowout. But if LSU is going to win, I think it's going to be a close one. I mean, I I think if L, I think if Oklahoma gets a good start, I think they've got a good chance. But even Oklahoma struggled against Baylor, so. I wish them well. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, LSU has been a dominant team all season. They've shown that they, you know, are who they are because they're just that deal. And there's nothing you can say to argue that. People can't really say any flaws against them. And not to mention, it's an SEC school, so they get some of the best talent in there. And they've put together a really good team. They have a really good coach staff. They believe in their quarterback. They believe in their defense. And they have multiple offensive weapons. Um as the wide receiver's position. Now, with this being said, Webb, um, I believe the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock for the number one pick. Will Joe Joe Burrow be heading to Cincinnati as their next quarterback? I I think 100% because they sat Andy Dalton halfway through the season for, I think, what, three weeks, and then they went back with him? They're looking, mm-hmm. They need a new quarterback. They're they're trying to rebuild. They got to start at the quarterback, your most important position first. I think so, too. And for Joe Burrow, it'll be a return home. He's not from Cincinnati, but from the Cleveland area. Um, he's about 35. He's a, He was born about 35 minutes away from Cleveland. So it will be a return home for him. Let's go on. Ohio State versus Clemson. Could this be the year that Clemson gets upset? What do you think, Webb? I think so, and I think your most prominent example is Clemson's nail-biter against North Carolina. I mean, Ohio State has been consistently winning all season on both sides of the ball. I mean, Justin Fields had his ups and downs for a quick second, but they've been able to adjust relatively quickly, and that's why <clears throat> they're undefeated. Um. I like Ohio State in this matchup. You got Chase Young and Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins. And like you said earlier in some of our episodes, their defensive backs, they just have so much speed all over that field between their linebackers, their line, and their DBs. They have a very talented group of um, defenders. And I think it will be, I think this game will be closer than what a lot of people may predict. Um, I hate to go against my prediction to win it all this year, Clemson, but for me, I'm going to have to go with Ohio State. 
Yeah, week one, I said Clemson, but seeing as Ohio State has put up such a strong resume this season, I'm picking I'm picking Ohio State, but that's what it is. It is what it is. I wouldn't sleep on Clemson. I think it'll be a, a good game, but I think uh, I think my prediction now has changed a little bit, and um, it has to do with the success of a couple of teams. And I would say going to the, the final matchup for the, the college season, I would pick um, Ohio State versus LSU in New Orleans. Okay, um, breaking news. Don't know if you guys seen it. Uh, Webb, I think you had Northern Michigan getting in here, but I think it was Eastern. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Eastern Michigan? Yeah, it was Eastern. Okay. Um, the Eastern Michigan, Michigan quarterback was ejected after punching the ref in two players. That was the most exciting football I've seen in a week. What do you, what what did you get from that? Well, why was this guy so aggravated? Besides him getting his ass beat, I mean, on the field, he, they were down by four points, but they were gonna lose, and it's he didn't want to see his senior season end like that. And somebody probably said something to him because he got up and turned around real quick. And on top of that, I don't think he meant to hit the ref because the ref was standing to his immediate right, and the player he was beefing with was standing in front of him. And, kind of swung wide and hit the ref and followed through to the other player but I think it was just frustration and the fact that his college career ended like that yeah I think so too and then you're playing they were at the the, the Quicken Loans uh, game right and that's in Detroit yeah you're kind of playing a home game and it's like you probably have so many of your friends and family members and your whole schools travel down there to watch you play and you know like you said they, they it really wasn't as close as what the score was they really struggled a lot in that game and like you said a lot of it boiled down to frustration and seeing your career in like that um it's heartbreaking sometimes and you, you lose your emotions i don't think he really punched the ref on purpose but watching it is pretty funny yeah, it was kind of entertaining to see that all right, guys, in the NFL, let me give you some quick news. So, you guys heard it. Antonio Brown is working out for the Saints. Is it a good fit or not, Webb? Tell me why or why not. I think it'd be a great fit. Uh, as you know, Michael Thomas has the single has, – he has the uh, NFL record for the most receptions in a single season. I think it was, what, 140-something? 144, I think. Yeah, 144. That's that's amazing. I think Drew Brees is probably the most accurate court is the most accurate quarterback of all time. Um, and I think it's a great situation for Antonio Brown as well. Like I DM'd you the other day and I said, imagine if Drew Brees still had Brandon Cooks with Michael Thomas. It'd, it'd be a great thing. But they're mm-hmm. they're primarily they run the ball a lot too, but. I'm liking the passing, and if Antonio Brown joins the Saints, I can't imagine the disruption that would create. I think it's a good fit, too, and the, the question is now is, like, how long does this relationship last? Will he be cleared enough to join them before the playoffs actually start? And I think the NFL has somewhat prolonged this investigation with Antonio Brown, and it, it really comes down to a matter of how long will he be with the team before he's out of the NFL again. Um, another thing, this came up. You guys know Marshawn Lynch is now back with the Seattle Seahawks. Is this a really good thing for them or not, Webb? I think it's 
the best case scenario thing for them considering the fact that their top three backs are hurt and unavailable for the rest of the season basically um so best case scenario Marshawn Lynch was their only person to go to I don't know what he's been up to I don't know if he's still in football shape but we're definitely going to find out and you guys know the um We'll get into it later, but you know the NFC, I think it's right now for the number one spot. I believe it's somewhere around a three-way tie between the New Orleans Saints, the 49ers, and the Seahawks. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, also, the Falcons head coach Dan Quinn will return for the 2020 season. Not sure if this is a really good thing for the Falcons because he has been less than promising since his Super Bowl appearance in 2000. I believe that was 17. Um, but What do you think about this? I think, you think it's a good thing? I, I think it's I think it's an okay thing. I think he definitely deserves another season to really bounce back from this, considering the amount of injuries they've had to sustain on the defensive side of the ball this year. I mean, was it both corners? Keanu Neal as well, Desmond Trufin, those are their best players on defense. So you can't have a you're not gonna have a great record if you have a shallow defense. That's a good and valid point. Uh, so many times we look at the records and we say, hey, it's the coach's fault. But it comes down to the personnel you have, not just the coaches and the assistant coaches, but also the guys are playing the field. I mean, how good are they to play on this level? I mean, people will say, hey, if you got recruited or scouted and you're on the NFL roster, you're good enough to play in the NFL. But then we go out there and see Sunday after Sunday, the same DBs getting burned, cooked, mossed, and it's just like, I'm pretty sure there's someone out there that could play better. And, and like Webb said, the amount of injuries they have sustained on both offense and defense has really hurt them this season. And hopefully they can um, return back in t- into top shape next season because I do believe with my whole heart that Julio Jones is the best receiver in the NFL when healthy. I like Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is my strong number two. But... Mike or uh, Julio Jones, if you give him a good pass, I mean, five catches, six catches, he might have over 100 yards. He's a big target with extreme speed. And, you know, I think he can give Michael Thomas the run for his money. And you might even need a change at quarterback for the Falcons. Maybe a real quick shout out, Mike Tomlin. He's my pick for coach of the year. What he's what he's been able to do with the Steelers this I mean not a great season but what he's been able to do with what he's got I'm I'm pretty impressed I mean he's definitely had a winning season uh, he does he didn't have a losing season he was in the the playoff hunt to get the wild card so like you said to do with what he, to do what he did with what he did has is is pretty you know a great accomplishment you don't have your starting quarterback you lose Le'Veon Bell you lose uh, Antonio Brown all in one season and everybody feels like it's going to be a clown show you lose who who uh juju smith excuse me you lose you lose him and you go and get a, a great safety and mom um fitzpatrick for miami and you do the best you can with what you got you have a rookie running back snell from kentucky who has been doing his things you got james washington and not to mention everybody forgets about this the other wide receiver lining up outside of the Steelers was Dante Moncrief, who had the most drops in the NFL before he was pretty much benched. It's hard to do what Mike Tomlin did with the squad he has. So I, I agree with you, Webb. He would be my pick as well. 
All right. Um, let's go ahead and get into this. You guys know as the year and decade comes down to an end, we have decided to give you our top 25 plays in the NFL playoff or Super Bowl for the decade. Webb will give you five of his. I will give you five of mine. And we'll do our top six on Tuesday before you guys go out and um, celebrate the new year. Well, go ahead with your top five. Okay, well, as you know, as I stated before, they're in no certain order until I'm probably going to put them in. I'll put them in order when we do the top six because those are the really good ones. So I'm kind of telling you my my favorites, my nominations, and then I'll put them in order for my top six. But all right, here we go. Uh, LeBron James block on Andre Iguodala in uh, the 2016 finals, game seven. I want to say like three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Warriors get a fast break. LeBron sprints out of thin air. Like, it's crazy. Runs down the court, blocks Andre Iguodala, and gives them enough momentum to win the game. And to win the championship. I'm not going to take away from Kyrie's shot. I'm not going to do that to you, but you know what I mean. Okay, see, we'll get there. We'll get there. Go ahead. All right, number 20 coming in for me. I got Julian Edelman's catch in Super Bowl um, against the Falcons 2017. It was a game tie-in drive. Edelman makes a diving catch, rolls over two defenders, is reviewed and ruled as a catch in the 28-3 comeback. Okay. So this next one, I forgot what number we're on, honestly. 19, 19. 19, okay. So this is more or less a situation, but I'm going to throw it out here. The blown pass interference call against Anthony Hitchens in the NFC wildcard in 2014 on uh, Brandon Pettigrew. Yeah. You remember what I'm talking about? Refresh my memory. Third and third and one on the Dallas 46. Stafford throws a slant to Brandon Pettigrew to tight end. Yes. <laughs> and it was a bros pass interference was clear as day. They throw the flag. Des Bryant goes talks to the ref. They pick the flag up. Game over, basically. They always find a way to screw the Lions up, I tell you that. All right. My number 19, NFC wild card game, Saints versus Seahawks. Uh, Webb had this a little bit higher than his last week, but I said beast mode. He goes crazy. I believe it's like a 40-yard run, shaking off defenders to take the lead with less than three minutes to go, and I believe the uh, Seahawks ended up winning that game. Okay. All right, number 18. Number 18 is the Super Bowl in 2014, the New England Patriots versus the Seattle Seahawks. And this one still gets me emotional to this day. Give me goosebumps. On the one-yard line, instead of handing the ball off to basically prime Marshawn Lynch for almost a guaranteed touchdown to win the game, Pete Carroll, whoever, I'm assuming Pete Carroll, decides (laughs) to throw the ball, throws a slant to Tyler Lockett, and it's intercepted by Malcolm Butler, officially giving him that big reputation that he had once upon a time. Yeah, that was a bonehead move. Do you remember uh, they decided to throw the ball, the camera zooms in on Richard Sherman's face and the the, the face he had when he realized that they just yeah. did the dumbest play ever. Devastating. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. I like that. 
Number 18 for me, NFC wild card games. The Packers will be in here very often. Packers versus the Cardinals tied up 45 to 45. Carlos Danby strips six Aaron Rodgers and the and the Cardinals win the game by six in overtime. Wow. That was the one I just had too. <laughs> That's all right. Go ahead to number 17 then. All right, number 17. Let's see, 2009 NFC wildcard game, Arizona versus Green Bay. The highest, the highest scoring postseason game in NFC history was won by a defender. Okay, it was sudden death OT. And three plays in, uh, Aaron Rodgers gets strip sacked by Carlos Dansby. And Carlos Dansby, Dansby runs in for 13 yards untouched for the game-winning touchdown. The score was 51-45. to 45. Yeah, that was crazy right there. That was wild. All right, check this one out. Oh, number 17 for me, Des Bryant. 2014, Green Bay versus the Cowboys, fourth and two. Uh, Romo throws a pass up to Des. Des goes up over a defender, catches the ball, rolls over the defender into the end zone, is ruled initially a catch, and then it's overruled as no catch, and basically the Cowboys lost it. Wow. All right, number 16, right? Yep. All right, number 16, uh, 2008 Super Bowl, Pittsburgh versus Arizona. Trailing 23-20, to 20, Ben Roethlisberger after throwing a 40-yard pass to Holmes, who took it all the way to the six-yard line. He then catches the game-winning catch in the corner of the end zone to win the game, to win the Super Bowl in 2008. Just that whole drive. Exciting. Yeah. Definitely up there. All right, number 16 for me, 2012 NFC Divisional Matchup. Saints versus the 49ers. I believe it was like six seconds left on the clock. Alex Smith makes a game-winning touchdown pass to the Vernon Davis, who was very hot at the time. And they go on to beat the Saints. I only have four for NFL, unfortunately, but I got plenty for N- for NBA. All right, we about to get into that. <laughs> All right, number fifteen. Hold 20. up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We're gonna get into that. Let's go. Let's break. Let's take a break for a minute for them. We're gonna go right here. Games of the week. Then we'll come back to the NBA. All right. All right. All right. So games of the week. We're just gonna pick our winners real quick, and then we're gonna come back to our top plays, you guys, so you don't get bored with it. We get you back in. We'll reel you back in. Um, the Titans versus the Texans. Who are you taking? It's very important. The Titans win. They're in. Um, I'm taking the Titans. I think they got smacked in the mouth the last time. I mean, do I think they're gonna win? Honestly, no, I don't. I think the Texans came out stronger the first time. They wanted it more. It was clear. They made more plays. The running game was overall better. Um, but momentum-wise, the Titans should win. I mean, they should be hungry. But I'm got I'm going with the Texans. You know, the Texans haven't really had that hot connection between uh, Watson and and Hopkins this year. So I need think I remind this- you. Need I remind you that JJ Watt is off injured reserve. He's back. Yeah. What, what I was going to say is this, I think because they haven't had that 
hot connection. This is going to be the game where they go off together and it's just clicking. I'm going to take the Texans, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's enough to where they can win by a field goal. That's kind of what I mean. I just couldn't vocalize that. Got you. All right. 49ers versus Seahawks. Whoever wins this, I believe, will go on to be the leader in the NFC um, as the number one spot. Who you got? Depleted backfield and a bunch of question marks around Marshawn Lynch. And the Seahawks are primarily a running football team, as funny as it is for me to say that. But uh, a lot of pressures on Russell Wilson. I'm not. I don't trust their line. Um, I'm going with San Francisco. You know what? I think we had um, a couple weeks ago. We picked like our predictions of Super Bowl matchups, and we both picked the Ravens versus the 49ers. Um, I think the Seahawks will get this game, but I think the 49ers will end up coming out the NFC. Oh, the Seahawks don't have Josh Gordon either. He's gone. Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate for Josh. He's he's completely done. He's completely done in the NFL. He'll never get another chance. And now we kind of know why the Patriots let him go. Because they're like, yeah, we already knew he was up to something. And they didn't want to be associated with that, with all the stuff they already been associated with their whole the whole time, the Brady era. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. This game is very important. Um, I think I've seen it on ESPN. Correct me if I'm wrong, if you think it's other way around. Eagles versus the Giants. You got, um, if the Eagles win, they're in the playoffs because they beat Dallas last week. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So my pick is going to be the Giants to upset them. Now, if the Giants upsets the Eagles and the, the Cowboys win, are the Cowboys in the playoffs? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going with the Giants to upset the Eagles. I am too. I think the Cowboys, they, I want to see the Cowboys in the playoffs. Uh, they have all the talent in the world. Like DeMarcus Lawrence said, all that talent with no direction is nothing. Like They have a, lot, a bunch of talent with no direction. Um, but yeah, that is the case. If the Eagles lose and the Cowboys win, they're in instead of the Eagles. All right. We'll see what happens when they match up this week. Um, we'll jump right back into it. Give you some quick news. Uh, you had in here that Luca Don. How do you say his last name? Donchich. 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 Luca Donchich has signed with the Jordan brand. And I don't want to sound stupid or ignorant, but he might be the first European player to sign with the Jordan brand that I know. I have to look that up. Is he? He, I mean, Dirk wasn't. Steve Nash wasn't. Um, all these great international players that we had, Tony Parker wasn't. I think he was a Nike. Um, that Mono Ginobili, I believe, he was another Nike guy. So he might be the first person international player to sign uh, a Jordan Brand deal. I'll have to yeah. look into that, and I'll give you guys the answer the next episode. I'm not 100% sure, but I can't think of anybody else, an international player that's had a Jordan brand deal. I can't either. All right, so you guys, here's our top plays, number 19 through 16 for the NBA Finals or Playoff Moments coming in at number 20, or actually, I'm sorry, did I say 19 through 20? I meant to say 20 through 16, sorry. Coming in at number 20, I got the 2010 Lakers 
versus the OKC first round matchup. Eight seconds left. Kobe drives right to the baseline, throws up a floater. Paul Gasol gets the tip rebound and puts it in for the win. Okay. You said you, you were at 20? 20. All right. I gave one earlier, so I'm at 19. Cool. 19. Uh, Ray Allen's three-point shot against the Spurs in the, 20, in the 2013 finals. Game six to send the Heat. Uh, no, it was game five to send the Heat to game six. And they eventually forced the game seven. That was a good series right there. Um, 2019, 20, or... Number 19, 2010, Boston versus Miami, first round. Game is tied, 98-98, less than seven seconds left. Paul Pierce takes the step-back jumper, goes in at the buzzer. Boston goes up 3-0 in the series. This was prior to LeBron's arrival. Okay. One number 17, 2016, game seven, 69 seconds left. Steph's got a switch on Kyrie off a pick. You know, Kyrie did his thing. Couple dribble moves, side steps, shoots a three ball, and hits it with 53 seconds left in the game. Wall Street Journal actually dubbed this shot as the biggest shot in NBA history, even bigger than uh, Ray Allen's three-point shot in Game Five. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you got this one so high. So I know you must have some better plays coming up because that would be like one of my number one too. Because Mind you, they they came back from a three-one deficit. I didn't put them in order. I'm just I'm giving you my nominations. Gotcha. My top my top six are in order. Okay, okay, I got you. My bad, my bad. All right, all right. Uh, coming in number eighteen. I'll do eighteen and seventeen. You skipped one, so I'm assuming you got another one. But uh, the 2011 playoffs, Miami versus Philly. Miami's up three-zero on Philly. If they win this game, Philly goes home. Um, Philly's down by a, by one. It's a 14 seconds left in the game. Sweet Lou Williams gets the ball at the top of the key, shoots a three over Dwayne Wade to go up two to avoid being eliminated. Um, I'm at 16, but that's because I gave LeBron James's block on Andre Iguodala in 2016, Game Seven, while we you were still in the NFL section. That's why I'm one behind. Okay, but two years ago. Game three, Eastern Conference semifinals. This is probably one of the best posters I've ever personally seen. Um, ben Simmons is on a fast break. Aaron Baines is kind of kind of in the paint, down low toward the restricted area. He dumps it off to a uh, cutting Joel Embiid right behind him, just running basically full speed. Takes two steps right up on Aaron Baines. Dunks it. That was nasty right there. I remember that. One of one of the nastiest posters I've ever seen. Hundred percent agree. Just especially over a big man like that, nasty. All right, I'm gonna give you 17 and 16. We'll get you guys out of here. We'll catch you on Tuesday after that. 2010 playoffs, Boston versus Philly. Philly's down two in the final seconds. Iguodala hits a big three in the corner to tie up the series. Iguodala has been doing that for a long time um, in the corner, the corner three to put teams up or tied up. Number 16, 2014 finals, Spurs versus the Heat. Spurs are up two, 10 seconds left. Tony Parker drives to the free throw line, brings it, brings it back out, goes baseline, spins around, gets a floater over LeBron as he's falling out of bounds to go up four against the Heat and to also go up in the series, I believe, three, two. 
All right, my last one, which I believe is I'm one behind you, which is 15. Um, uh, 2017. And game six, I believe. Game six, KD's dagger. Mm. On go- on when he was with Golden State with 46 seconds left in the game. Uh, actually, no, that was game, uh, that was game three. That was game three. And he hit the goat face on him. That's what really <laughs> opened up the discussion for is LeBron the greatest player on the planet, which I still believe he is, but that's what even opened up those wild discussions was that, that play right there, I believe. Yeah, that was nasty because the way he was coming down, you would think that he was going to come down and try to do a little layover, kick it out to Clay no. stuff for three. And he was no like, hesitation. yeah, he's like, nah, I'm about to end this right here. Good night. <laughs> All right, guys, that wraps up the show tonight. Um, we got one more show left in the year. That's going to be on Tuesday. We'll give you the countdown, top six plays for both me and Webb. Um, we'll also talk about the games this weekend and what they mean. Also, before we wrap up, I want to give a huge, huge, huge congratulations to Webb on winning the fantasy uh, championship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was predicted last. I was predicted last. And he came in first, and he beat everybody who was who was pretty much yapping to him all season. Mikey, Dion, Diego, Martel. I mean, he dealt with everybody talking crap about his team. Um, to be fair, he did not have a strong running back point besides Christian McCaffrey. And however, he found a way. He found a way to be amongst the top. He was the top. He was the top dog. Number one. Um, my receiver, my receivers were Keenan Allen and Amari Cooper. And I think Omari Cooper had two dubs he, that week, two donut holes um, during that time. He also was hurt some of that time. And you had Michael Gallup as, as backup who was hurt. I don't really know how you did it, but you did it. And, and I had Drew Brees who was hurt the first six weeks. And I had Baker Mayfield to start. And mind you, he would not have had Drew Brees. Have I, I, I dropped him. I'm like, okay, you know what? I, don't, I can't afford. I'm already started off pretty bad. I can't afford to keep him in my lineup keeping up a space for me not to compete and you know he capitalized on that as soon as Drew Brees came back he grabbed him off the waiver wire and that's how you play fantasy football you pay attention to what's being done and you go get the players and that's what he did congrats man you're gonna have to run that back next year though because you know everybody on your head right huge shout out guys you know um one of our friends Dion he's one of our faithful listeners huge shout out to him he's getting married tomorrow gonna be a big party in south beach miami man congratulations to you and your wife to be we wish you guys many many years of marriage and running back on fantasy congratulations all right web i'll check you on tuesday well guys we'll check we'll tune in with you on tuesday all right